0: Welcome to another installment, It's About Time. This is episode number seven. We've got a pinch hitter tonight. Josh got stuck downtown working and could not make it, so my friend Matt decided, he's not my friend, he's my (laughs) brother-in-law, decided to join us. How you doing tonight, Matt? I'm doing okay. You know, for a Monday, after
1: a skin's loss, it's typically not a great day, but other than that, I guess
0: it's going pretty good. Yeah, we're gonna get into that, but man, that was ugly. And boring, really boring to watch. Yeah, I don't know what was worse—the the fact that it was so
1: boring or the fact that it was so ugly. I don't, I don't know how you quantify that.
0: I, I don't either. Um, I got to tell you, I was um, NFL Sunday is a very unique experience, especially when you're excited. And I was excited yesterday, and it's the first time I've been excited in a while, probably since uh, the playoff run a few years ago with Kirk where they lost to the Packers in the first round. And I got up, you know, the kids were wearing their Redskins stuff. And I, you know, I decided I'm going to wear a Redskins shirt, which I knew was going to freaking be the (laughs) the sign of death. Right. And I was excited. And it's the only sport that has that baseball. There are too many games, same with basketball and hockey, but football has that. And the Redskins, man, they just gave us a gut punch yesterday. (laughs) Just ruined it. They did (laughs) as we've had so many times before. Yeah, we should be used to it. We really, really should be. And it's just, it was so disheartening. And we'll get into what a lot of the guys said. Swearinger said today that um, they just were complacent. I'm like, how can you be complacent after one one game? where you dominated probably the second worst team in the entire NFL behind only the Buffalo Bills? I don't know. I don't know how to Speechless. answer that question. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Before we kick in, uh, we do want to remind everybody we are affiliated now with the DMV Sports Network. It's one of the hottest sports websites in the district, dmvsportsnetwork.com. They can be followed on Twitter, at DMV underscore SN. They've got great daily content on the skins, caps, gnats, wizards, tennis, fantasy football, and all other DC sports. So be sure to check them out. And also, please subscribe to our show wherever podcasts are available, the big one, Spotify, Apple or iTunes, I should say, and uh, Google Podcasts. So let's jump right in. Washington Redskins yesterday, 21-9 to loss in the home opener. No touchdowns scored. Hopkins kicked three field goals from 49, 27, and 49 yards. He also missed a 49-yarder at the end of the first half. The Colts really set the tone early. They opened the game with an 11-play, 75-yard touchdown drive that was just methodical. Luck was... Just, I mean, surgical with his passes. They ate up almost six minutes in time of possession. The first question I wanted to ask you, and I hate this, I do. I've always hated it. The Skins deferred the coin toss to the second half. They decided to receive it. I get that when it works, it really works well. New England has really made a living doing that. But you're at home. It's your home opener. It's not really an excited crowd. The best thing you could have done taking the first kickoff and try to do something offensively and put some points on the board. What do you think of that? Well, they never seemed to to score a touchdown
1: on their first drive. It seems like every time they get the ball, and they did it last week, um, first drive it had a nice drive, but it resulted in nothing. Um, And then with the way their defense played last week, I think that they had confidence in the fact that they could defer the uh, the coin toss to the second half and then you know, be able to, to get the ball uh, after a, maybe a three and out or something like that and take the ball down the field and score. And, of course, that didn't happen. Um, the Colts were very impressive on that first drive. And and I it certainly left me wondering what in the world happened to the defense from last week.
0: Yeah, the defense of the first probably 20, 25 minutes did not resemble the defense against Arizona. They gave up two touchdown drives in the first Quarter and a half. Luck looked like he could do anything with the football that he wanted to, and he was deadly accurate. One thing I saw, they like a lot of those crossing routes where the receiver picks and it just always frees somebody up. And the thing that bothered me is that the defense never adjusted to it, they never figured it out. The touchdown in the fourth quarter that pretty much put the game on ice was the same thing.
1: Yes, which was actually a great play. It was. And, you know, I think Josh Norman. Was able to sniff that out a little too late, um, but uh, yeah, there was there was nobody there. I mean, that was just a well-designed play, uh, which I think the Colts had done all day long yesterday. Um, they really were able to control the tempo, and
0: um, you know, had the defense rattled. They did, and you could tell Josh Norman was frustrated. He kind of threw his hands up in the air. It wasn't really on him. I mean, he no. he they he even said after the game they weren't communicating well with each other. They weren't. Figuring out, I'm going to drop off here or I'm going to keep going here. And it just left a lot of receivers running free in the middle of the field for 8, 10, 12-yard gains. And it was one of those things, I talked to Josh about it last week. Shout out to Josh, we miss you, we'll see you next week. But I talked to him about it last week, is that we were on the good end of it against the Cardinals. Picking up every third down and just making the correct plays when we needed to. And that's what it was yesterday, but on the bad side. It was frustrating. You're like, God, get a sack here, get a stop here, and they did in the middle of the game, middle of the second, till about the beginning of the fourth. The defense shut him, shut Andrew Luck down, and Luck's numbers weren't great, but they they just they didn't adjust on offense or defense. No, and
1: you know the defense, I don't think was atrocious. They they kept us in the game to an extent. Um, you know we were again burned on third downs. Uh, just as we have been over countless consecutive years, uh, we can't ever seem to get off the field on a third and long, and that's really frustrating, and I'm sure that the defense was frustrated, and um, they just didn't have a, seem to have an answer for it, and we weren't really getting any pressure on Luck. Um, it seemed like he had a, a lot of time to throw, and uh, not that we got a lot of pressure last week on Bradford, but at least... It was a little more disruptive. And yesterday I didn't see
0: that at all. It was back to back games where Kerrigan and Preston Smith were really non-existent. Um Kerrigan was getting a little pressure, but he was basically being eaten up by the right tackle most of the day. Preston Smith you didn't hear much from. And it was yeah, you're right, there wasn't much pressure on Luck. He had all day to throw and when he, I mean, he's a good quarterback. He didn't play last year, and he's been hurt. But when he's healthy, he could pick a defense apart, and that's exactly what he did yesterday. And it was tough to watch.
1: Yeah, you know, and I don't think that there's any issue with his arm strength or anything like that. I think he um he looks like he used to, and you know, and good for him. Um, you know, he's always been a pretty solid quarterback, and it's good to see him rebound. Just unfortunately, it was against the Redskins,
0: right? Yeah, I mean, the, the back-breaking plays for the Skins, the read fumble was bad. I mean, that was a, they had a chance there. I, th- I think at the time it was 21-9, to nine and they were driving to try to get it back to a one-score game, and that killed that. Doxson had two big drops uh, early in the game, dropped down the sideline for, what, like a 25, 30-yard pass right. that he should have caught. Should have caught it, absolutely. Uh, and that seems to be the case with him. Yep. Uh, he had a ball in the end zone. It was a tough catch. But he should have made it. He had the size advantage. He had the leaping advantage. And the corner just got his hand in and knocked the ball out because Doxon had it in his hands. Whether or not he would have come down in bounds, I don't know. But he should have caught it. And that was a tough – that was a backbreaker for them because they had to settle for a field goal. And that seems to be all they did yesterday was settle for field goals because they just – they had no red zone offense whatsoever. None. And I, I believe the Colts were three
1: for three. They were. And – uh you know, but getting back to Josh Doxson, I think that I think it's becoming a problem for him catching the big passes, with maybe the exception of the game against Seattle last year where he had that spectacular catch. But you know, the catches that you would expect him to make or that a professional receiver should be making, he doesn't seem to come down with those balls. And I don't know if it's too early, Nate, to go into whether or not Is he a draft bust or is he not? But it's leaning to me like he is not the receiver that maybe Scott McLuhan thought he had when he drafted him.
0: Absolutely right. He is not a number one receiver. He just isn't, at least not right now. He's got the size, he's got the athleticism. He's not a number one receiver. Uh, Josh texted me during the game and he goes, this has got to be the end of the Josh Doxon era. And I said, Probably, I think that that's probably right. Um, I he just he's not effective as a wide receiver right now. He doesn't make good plays. The wide receivers in general. Um, Doxson was four for four catches, thirty-seven yards on seven targets. Uh, Crowder only had two catches for eight yards, and uh, Richardson four for sixty-three. They really they just didn't get any separation. And one thing that I did see was that the Colts played a lot of two high safeties. Their linebackers were playing deep. And they were forcing Alex Smith to throw the ball underneath. I mean, that's why Chris Thompson had 13 catches, but for only 92 yards. They just, the Redskins offense never adjusted to what the Colts were doing defensively. And yesterday, the worst per, the person who had the worst day yesterday was Jay Gruden. 100%. not was Couldn't bad more coaching.
1: Um, I felt like their game plan did not change much from last week. And Indy came in completely prepared to, to deal with that. And they did, very effectively. And, you know, it's just really disappointing that they had so much momentum from last week that did not carry uh, over to this week. And I I really feel like this is completely on Jay Gruden. Um, You know, there's no excuse for having a team that comes in unprepared. And uh, with, with what they did last week, I felt like they could have mixed it up a lot more. Uh, but it was very vanilla, and it was very predictable. I mean, it, was- it seemed like Indy was always at a point where they knew the Redskins were going to be there, and they were there ahead of them. And they were able to stop them very effectively.
0: Jay came out after the game in his press conference. He had two notable quotes that I pulled. Uh, I couldn't get any rhythm calling plays. Well, that's for damn sure. <laughs> and he also said, we were one-dimensional in our pass game. Play action wasn't working. Read option didn't work. They were basically just doing straight dropbacks, and then it was check down, check down, check down. Alex Smith was captain in check down yesterday. Uh, I think he had one deep ball that was completed, and the rest were either incomplete or he just didn't attempt them. He checked down all day.
1: Right. Yeah. He hit Paul Richardson for I believe it was 21 yards. Yep. Um, but you know they just couldn't run the ball. Nope. Um, and and I don't know why they abandoned it so soon yesterday. I really felt like they needed to get Adrian Peterson going. Um, You know, there was a a point where it seemed very early on he only had three rushes for a few yards. Three
0: rushes for two yards, I think, through the first quarter or like the first quarter and a half. Right. Yeah, he finished the day 11 carries 20 yards. (laughs) Compared to last week, I mean, Chris Thompson had four carries for one yard. Right. Their leading rusher for the first time in 50 years was a wide receiver. It was Jameson Crowder, two carries, 29 yards was their leading rusher. That's how bad the running game was last week or this week. And it's funny, last week I said that Josh, said the best, I said how good can this running game be? Jay Gruden's running games have never been that good. We both thought at least top 10. And after yesterday, if Jay Gruden had the worst day, and he definitely did, their first half adjustments were terrible. He didn't adjust his play calling at all throughout the game. But I think the second worst day and I hate to say this, it was probably the offensive line. They weren't creating any holes. Um, they did get banged up. I mean Sheriff went down and then Trent Williams went down. I think they're both going to be okay. Well Sheriff came back into the game and so did Trent. Um, but they definitely did not have a solid day.
1: No, and it you know, I I hate to keep rehashing this question, but you know, over the the last few years when we've not had a very good running game and you know, we've said, well, is it the running backs? You know, we haven't had that great of a, a running back or a running game since Alfred Morris. Um, and uh, or, or is it the offensive line? Are they not as good as what everybody makes them out to be? I mean, we know how they can pass protect. And, and they did that certainly for Kirk Cousins the last couple of years. But if they are that athletic and, and able to protect the quarterback, why can't they run block? Because it just didn't seem like anything was working for them yesterday. I mean, you have arguably the best left tackle in the game in Trent Williams and a Pro Bowl right guard in Brandon Sheriff. And those two guys are monsters, but for whatever reason, this offensive line is not creating the holes uh, to get a future Hall of Famer through.
0: Right, and I agree with you that they did last week against Arizona. Yesterday, it was a complete and total failure across the board. The defense looked good in the middle of the game. Uh, then the Colts put together put the game basically on ice with a thirteen play seventy five yard touchdown drive in the fourth quarter that ate up six minutes of uh, time of possession that made it twenty one to nine the Redskins were never really in it from from there on out um it was just a total i mean if you uh, there's a thing on our outline that says what went wrong everything went wrong really everything went wrong except for Tress way who's the team m v p everything <laughs> went wrong i mean it was just it was one of those things, it was, uh, my cousin Steven was at the game and he texted me and he said, that's one of the worst games I've ever seen in person, and I don't know how you can deny that. We were watching it together and, uh, in, in the makeshift man cave, and um, I just looked at you I'm like, man, this is boring. It's bad football. It was bad football. It was bad football. And the Colts um, aren't that good. They're not going to be that good. No,
1: I don't, I don't think so either. Um, and maybe the Cardinals are just... Absolutely atrocious as well and and maybe maybe the Redskins aren't that that good either um, you know that's yet to be determined, but the way they played last week, I mean there was never um a moment where the game was in doubt, and it's been a long time as Redskins fans where we could have comfortably sat back and relaxed and watched the game, knowing that they've got this in hand and um so last week was was very refreshing this week was.
0: Back to same old, same old. It was. Yeah, I mean it was um a guy that we both listened to, Kevin Sheehan, he always calls the NFL a week to week league. And one week you can look like world beaters and then the next week you can look like total garbage. There he also always says that there's not a lot of uh separation between the very best and the very worst. They're all professional athletes. They're all professionals. And I'm hoping that yesterday was Just a blip on the radar screen and that they'll be able to rebound. I just, you have to wonder, DJ Swearinger said there was complacency. That's on the coaching staff, but that's also on the players. You can't be complacent after one win against a very mediocre team. You just can't be. Right. And,
1: you you know, I had some questions too. I mean, I was watching the game thinking, you know, where's Daron Payne in this game? Um, Tim Settle, I think, only had... Six plays on, on defense all day. Um, where are these playmakers that you know, we really expected to stop the run, which we did against arguably the best running back in the league in David Johnson last week, and then this week, I mean, it's the Colts. Come on, you can't stop the Colts from running the ball, and they did it very well.
0: No, Colts, uh, they ran the ball very well. I mean, they only had 75 yards rushing the week before. Granted, it was against Cincy. he has got a great front seven. Um, I don't know. Duran was getting double teamed a lot. Jonathan Allen was too. Uh, Ionidas had a decent day. I mean, he kind of made his presence known in the backfield, had a sack. A sack. Uh, but I don't know. Again, no pass rush. We, we touched on that earlier with the Kerrigan and Preston Smith thing. Um, I, Yeah, I don't, I don't know. And again, the secondary too, Dunbar looked awesome against Arizona. And then yesterday he got beat a lot. He did. And yeah. one of the big, big plays in the game – Was the 37 yard defensive pass interference on Moreau? Clearly, he was beaten and he tugged on the. uh, Was it T.Y. Hilton? I think it was Hilton. Tugged on his arm. It might have been, or it might have been somebody else, but he tugged on his arm, turned him. Catch actually still should have been made, but still, 37 yard DPI sets up a touchdown. Um, Yeah, the defense had an average day. I wouldn't say, I think it looked worse because they were so dominant against Arizona. Right. You know, still disappointing.
1: I, I think if if there was a good or a bright spot with the defense, it might have been D.J. Swearinger yesterday having the two picks. The two
0: picks, and he made nice plays on both, the diving interception uh, on the turf. Yeah, definitely. One thing I did want to touch on before we get into next week's opponent, which is Green Bay, a lot of press has been given today especially, but over the last few weeks, about the way the team is marketing ticket sales and all of that stuff. They have a new chief operating officer. The announced attendance yesterday was 57,013. It's the lowest opening day crowd in FedEx history. It was a beautiful day. Coming off, there was optimism. could probably couldn't have been much higher. Um, but it was 21,000 less than last year. And I don't even believe it was that high. No, it looked empty on TV. I it mean, really did. Really empty. And um, it broke a streak it's a questionable streak, but according to the team, a streak 50 straight years of sellouts dating back to 1967. Attendance over the last 10 years has dropped 15% since 2007, In oh seven, seven, the skins averaged 88,090 people per game. That was first in the NFL last year. It was 75, 175 for sixth this year. You gotta imagine it's going to be a lot lower than that. Um, one of the things that the reasons that they're giving, they say Skins management identified season ticket holders who were quote unquote ticket brokers that were reselling on secondary markets. And the Redskins decided not to renew their season ticket packages because they wanted to limit the number of tickets on secondary markets so that they could make it a, this is their selling point, make it a more home field advantage. But what it showed was if you're trying to keep other teams' fans out of the stadium, the stadium's not going to be full. Right. Well, the Redskins can spin it however they'd like. Right. At
1: at the end of the day, the product that they've been putting on the field has been average at best. In fact, I I saw a stat earlier that the Redskins are 85, 85, and 1 at home um,
0: since moving to FedEx field. Yeah, 84, 83, and 1 all-time at FedEx. Yeah, no, it's pretty much the same. I mean, they're mediocre at home. They're a 500-football team at home in 22 years or something like that. It's... um, And you know what? Listen, I'm a former season ticket holder. We gave up our tickets after the 2013 season. My dad had tickets his entire life. My grandfather got them in the late 40s when the Redskins were at Griffith Stadium. I mean, my parents met at a a Skins game. Both sides of my family had tickets. My mom's side had six seats. My dad's side had three. Uh, And my mom's side still has tickets. That's my cousin Steven was in those seats yesterday. But I got to be honest, man. I mean, and I've said this on previous podcasts, 10 years ago, you would have been hard-pressed to find a more die-hard Redskin fan who loved going to games. But as soon as they gave me reason not to go, and I realized, man, we were talking about this yesterday, how right. comfortable it is at the house. The beer's cheap. The bathroom's an easy walk. There's never a line. The food's cheap. And it's just comfortable. And especially when you're watching, for the most part, mediocre football. Well, that's the thing. I mean,
1: you know, if you're winning people will go. Uh, if you're not, then they won't. Or they'll think twice about it, at least. So, I mean, I wouldn't want to pay to see that team that showed up there yesterday. You know, I would be demanding a refund, quite honestly, if I went to that game. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of people have probably tweeted that. But, yeah, yeah, of course, it's, it's, it's much more comfortable to watch it at home these days. TVs are better. You can see, you know, just as well. So
0: yeah why not right I mean I said to you yesterday that if they gave me a ticket for free I probably wouldn't go and the the list of reasons that people have given for why they don't want to go to Redskin games anymore it's long it's it's an eight-hour day a lot of the fans are belligerently drunk which I can attest to I've been one of those people (laughs) although I was never in your face drunk I was just drunk uh, I'm much uh, more mature now, <laughs> but uh, at least I would hope so. Um, the long walk from the parking lots, the fact that it takes forever to get there and forever to get out, all of those things. But the bottom line is, and I agree with this, I read a Rick Snyder piece today on 1067.com. Not that I want to give 1067 any pub, but the article was good. And he, had, he was he put, he's like, listen, they can do everything in the world to make the game day experience better. He didn't say this, but what his point was, it's like putting lipstick on a pig. But you start winning, and winning consistently, people are going to show up. People used to not go to Patriots games in the 60s and 70s or whatever when they were terrible, the early 90s before Bill Parcells got there. Now they sell out every game. It's winning. Winning brings people back. And, you know, they talk about this new stadium and all that stuff. The new stadium will be exciting for a year. Right. Especially if it's not in DC, if it's at Dulles, it'll be exciting for a year, and then that's it. People will tune out again because the product still sucks, and you're competing with people for their time. And that much time taken out of somebody's day, you got to make it worth their while. Absolutely, it's.
1: I don't think it matters where they put the new stadium if they do have a new stadium. I, you know, if they keep putting a mediocre product on the field, then nobody's going to go. Nobody's going to want to pay for that. I certainly wouldn't want to, and. Uh, you know, but if they started winning, then, you know what, that that might be uh, reason enough for people to say, you know what, I kind of miss going to the games. Um, you
0: know, obviously, they don't have that problem in Foxboro. No. and they, um, they didn't have that problem in Jacksonville yesterday. The stadium was full. Now, granted, that team is expected to make a run at the Super Bowl. They didn't have that problem in Dallas last night. And uh, i I would question that fan base. I think a lot of them are there just to socialize, but because it's such a gigantic stadium. And, but anyway, I digress from there. But I, it wasn't a problem. Really, the Redskins were the only problem yesterday that I saw uh, when it comes to attendance. And I know it's an issue NFL-wide because of fantasy football, sure. the Red Zone Channel, all of that stuff. But the number one thing, my old man told me this earlier in the week, if they really want to bring people back, they need to lower the parking because I think it's $50 a game, which is ridiculous. And they really, they need to consider low, lowering ticket prices. It's too expensive. It's not family friendly like a baseball game is. I mean, you can't, I wouldn't take a kid to a football game now. It's just, they're going to see things they shouldn't see. I'm going right. to be honest. They just are. I mean, my cousin texted me the other uh, yesterday he's at the game. He's like, at least the screaming drunk guy, drunk guys, not behind me this year. And I'm like, well, that's a good thing, I guess, you know, <laughs> if you're looking for uh, silver linings, it's a positive. I guess. Yeah, I'll just say this um, and then I'll get off my soapbox as a I was a longtime season ticket holder for a long time. I, I thought it would the idea of giving up the tickets seemed foreign to me. It seemed like that would never happen, that I pass them down to my kids like my dad did, like his dad did for him. I got to tell you, it's really satisfying, actually. I want to see the team win. I'm very emotionally invested in the team winning, um, not as much as I used to be, but I am. I want to see the team win, but I want to also see Dan Snyder get embarrassed because he's embarrassed us for 20 years. And I, that, thats I'm off my soapbox, but I was, I'm was satisfied to see. I, I told you that while we were watching the game, yep. I'm like, good man, screw him. This is what he deserves for treating his fans like an ATM machine for 20 years and not respecting us. And now he's going to try to start trying to respect us? Screw him. Yeah, it's hard to get. It's hard to rally behind a team
1: when they are led by this guy that has never seemed to care about anything except for his own self-promotion. And yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I just I, nobody's ever like. I mean, nobody likes Daniel Snyder. There's, <laughs> there's not,
0: not a Redskins fan that says Tanya <clears throat> Snyder likes him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you got gonna. One person like His kids probably like him because he's got money. I mean, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't um, even know if my kids like me. I, they probably don't. They like you, though. Well, of course. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you look at Robert
1: Kraft in New England. I mean, does anybody dislike him? I mean, look what he's done. You know, people go there. I mean, they've got Tom Brady, which is, is cool. But Helps. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're a Patriots fan, I mean, think about your quality of life over the last 16 or 17
0: years. Yeah. Um, how much do people how much did people love Jack can't cook I mean he just he wanted to win that's all he cared about he wanted to win he had a stadium that would sell out he, he didn't gouge the fans he just wanted to win and it was a funny line in um, one of the Americas games I think it was uh, had to be 91 and he he Joe Gibbs was telling this story where Jack Kent Cooke pointed his finger at him and said, "You you've screwed this thing up. Your team's too old." And then he said, "I just got bought out of this company. I've got like $40 million. I got to figure out what to do with it so that you guys can waste it on the team." And it you know, it's just <laughs> that's the kind of owner I want. It's weird to say that, but that's I don't want Dan Snyder who's trying to market the hell out of everything. Uh I, I am beating this into the ground, but it for years I wanted there to be karma and it's finally his chickens are coming home to roost, to use a really worn-out cliche. But I'm- Yeah, thank you. Let's move on to the opponent <laughs> for next week, the Green Bay Packers. They had one of the more interesting games yesterday. We uh, didn't get to see any of it, really. Uh, but it ended in a 29-29 tie against Minnesota. The old uh, redskin, Kirk Cousins, had himself a day. 35-48, of 48, 425, four touchdowns and a pick. Compared to Alex Smith, who was through a lot of passes, 33-46, but only 292 yards and no touchdowns. Um, The end of the game, in overtime, the Vikings were trying to drive down the field. Clay Matthews got called for a questionable roughing the passer penalty, which kept the drive alive. And then a missed 30, I think it was a 35-yard field goal at the end of overtime, basically made it a tie game. Uh, Minnesota outscored Green Bay 22-9 in the fourth quarter to tie it. Rodgers, 20 of 42, 281 and one touchdown. Again, I didn't see the game. I did see highlights. He did look a little hobbled. Uh, He'll certainly be healthier this week against us. Minnesota had 480 total yards of offense, but they only had 68 yards rushing. I think a lot of that was because they were coming from behind. They were down 13 points in the fourth quarter. Green Bay rushed for 98 yards, 351 yards total. My first question to you, if you had to put a percentage, what's the – percentage that we win next week. 50%. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's optimism. Yeah, it is. I'd say 25%, but okay, <laughs> let's hear your 50% reasoning. Um you know, I don't
1: think I don't think Green Bay has been overly impressive so far. I'm hoping, I'm banking on the fact that that this week was an anomaly for the Redskins that we are better than what we showed um, We've played pretty well
0: against Aaron Rodgers. I mean, except maybe in the playoffs. We shut um, him down for the first half, they, but they overwhelmed us in the second half of that game. They did, but I think we. Did we win the last time we, that we played them? Or was I,
1: it. No, it was two years ago when we played them that we beat them, but then they, they ended up beating us in the playoffs. Right, right. Um, but um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, hopefully uh, Clay Matthews gets uh, flagged on. You know, some hits like he did yesterday because um, Minnesota probably deserved to lose that game,
0: really. Green Bay's defense is not very good. Um, they almost got beat by Chicago. It took a miraculous effort by Aaron Rodgers to come back. Now, Chicago's got Khalil Mack. But their their defense is not very good. And you can throw on them. Uh, as... Evidenced by Kirk Cousins at 425 yards yesterday. But the big thing is going to be they're going to take a blueprint from what the Colts did. And they're going to say, we can do these crossing routes all day. The the corners don't know when to switch off. They're not communicating well. And hopefully this will be addressed in practice this week. But I worry because Rodgers is Rodgers. And our defense is decent. But if we can't put pressure on him because he's not going to be completely mobile... Because he's still got, I, I think his knee is more severely injured than people are saying. Um, as, as Josh said, he was hopped up on uh, <laughs> probably Oxycontin last week. Uh, but I'd say it's probably 25%. I, I actually think they're going to lose. I hate to say that. I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy. But I do think that they'll probably, I, I think it'll be closer than people think. Because I think the Redskins do play up to their competition. And they play down. They played down yesterday. And I yeah, I'm thinking probably something along the lines of 28-17 like Green Bay is probably where we're at. Because I just don't think our receivers can get open. They signed two receivers today. but That is nothing to look forward to, though. I mean, Rashad Perryman. And Michael Floyd they signed today, too. That was like a late-breaking thing right before we jumped on. But again, these are two—I'm not trying to insult them, but they're, they're not people that are going to make you stand up at attention. They're just not. Well, they're big boys. I mean, they can take insults, I think. But you know, the sure. fact of the
1: matter is, Brashad Perryman, come on. I mean, you know, if he's not even good enough to be a receiver on the Ravens, what business does he have being in the NFL at all? I mean, the fact of the matter is, this guy can't catch a ball to save his life. I mean, I think in Baltimore they called him Brick Hands instead of Brashad, <laughs> uh, something along those lines. But he's trash.
0: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not intrigued by it, and I'm wondering who who's cut. Do they cut Brian Quick after one week? I mean, I think they need him on special teams. I know that um, both Quinn and Sims Sims, thank you, are out for the year. Right. They both need. They both got ankle surgery on the same day. Mo Harris, where's he? I
1: don't know. It's been hard to get updates on any of that stuff. um, just like yesterday, I mean, we really didn't know what happened with Trent Williams and Brandon Sheriff. I mean, I think it was a knee for Sheriff, and I'm not quite sure what it was for Trent. I mean, I, they came back in the game, and everything seemed to be fine. Uh, and I think with either of those guys, you probably wouldn't hear from them
0: what was actually wrong anyway. What right. um, well, did you see? Rob Kelly's probably out a month and a half now. He needs surgery on his toe. Right. Yeah, they... Uh Green Bay is a good football team. I think the Redskins, if they want to win next week, I think they're going to need to set the run up by throwing early, and you're going to need to back the linebackers off the line of scrimmage, and then that'll open up lanes for AP and Chris Thompson. I think they can't be afraid to come out and throw the ball around, and I think their only, in my opinion, their only chance of winning is getting into a shootout. I think I, it sounds weird against the best, probably the best gunslinger in the entire NFL, but I think that's their only chance. I don't think they win. I think they get outscored like 28 to 17, something. in that in that neighborhood. My optimism is dampened from yesterday, but um, I still think they could be an average football team. I don't think I, what I felt at the end of last week is like, wow, if this team stays healthy. I mean, they could be a lot better. But and we'll get into this when we go around the NFL. The NFC East isn't very good. No, it's not. And uh, obviously, Philly's got Carson
1: Wentz coming back this week, so uh, you know that might be a shot in the arm for them. Uh, but uh, Dallas was not impressive last night. Uh, New York, uh, New York sucks. <laughs> well, <laughs> and we're gonna get into it. But man, they suck. They're bad. Yeah. So I, you know, you're right. the The NFC East is is winnable. I mean. You know, if there is maybe a bright spot uh, with our loss yesterday is the the fact that we're still tied with everybody else.
0: And we haven't played a division game yet. So I'm not afraid of Dallas. And we're going to get into this in a second. I'm not afraid of Dallas. I'm definitely not afraid of the Giants. And I think Philly is beatable. Their defense is good. Uh, It's going to be very interesting to see how Carson Wentz performs he hasn't played in almost a year, and he's does he trust his knee yet? All of those things, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see that.
1: Well, you know, when we were in the preseason, I and mean, one of the things that we talked about uh, during the preseason games, or at least through training camp, was, okay, we really haven't upgraded our wide receiver position. I mean, we did get Paul Richardson in, but, you know, he's largely unproven, and we really didn't know enough about him because we didn't see him very often uh, since he played in Seattle. Um it didn't seem like they really addressed the problem uh of you know who was going to be the number one receiver because obviously they, they were counting on Josh Doxson to, to really step up. You know, we're only two games in, we really haven't seen that from him. Didn't really see a whole lot of it last year either. I mean, you know, there were a couple times where, you know, yeah, he made the catch that he was supposed to make, but you know, he wasn't somebody that you could go out there and target every time. Um, so here we go in, in, into the season, and we really don't have a solid core of, of receivers, and I th- think that's the problem. I mean, that's a big problem going into um, the rest of the season. I mean, even though we signed a couple of guys today, um, you know, maybe Crowder and and Richardson can get on track with some deep balls, uh, but that that really worries me. Uh, you know, we were really looking forward to the running game improving. And uh, there was some optimism there, especially after week one. Um, and, I, and I still have optimism for Adrian Peterson. And you know what you get with Chris Thompson.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. No, I agree with you. I think the, the receiving core, we talked about it a little bit last week, Josh and I did, about the fact that they were non-existent, but they didn't need to exist last week because the running game was so effective and the screens, bubble screens, running back screens were working so well; they didn't need to. Yesterday, they needed their receivers, and they uh, uh, Richardson was okay. Crowder was relatively non-existent, and Doxon, again, dropped two key passes. Were they tough catches? No doubt about it. But a, a, uh, I almost said big league. A <laughs> right. professional wide receiver makes those catches. Well, and uh, go ahead. You know. One thing that was
1: really talked about um, during the offseason, you know, keys to, you know, a Redskins successful season is, you know, a healthy Jordan Reed. Well, we have a healthy Jordan Reed, but he was, you know, he didn't even catch the ball to the second quarter yesterday. Right. Um, So, you know, we've got a healthy Jordan Reed who, who did fumble the ball. That was a costly fumble, which we talked about earlier. But, you know, what happened? I mean... You know, I think I even said to you before you even caught that ball, I was like, is he even playing? I mean, you don't even see him. They certainly haven't called
0: his name. And um, No, he had six for 55, six catches for 55 yards. Vernon Davis, for the second straight week, one catch for seven yards. Non-existent. Sprinkle, non-existent. Yeah, their weapons are an issue. And these signings are not going to address the problem. My only, my final question, then we're going to move off the Redskins. How bad is Des Bryant that nobody wants to sign him? <laughs> I mean, really, it's got to be a combination of nobody thinks that he could do it anymore, but also his attitude is not worth bringing in. That has to be the answer. It
1: has to be. Because <laughs> the fact of the matter is New England signed Josh Gordon today. So traded for him, yeah. I wanted the Skins to get him. So, you know, there's a guy who has, you know, a history of of drug problems and suspensions and, you know, he'll probably go to New England and stop smoking weed and become... Win a Super
0: Bowl. Yeah. Probably. I mean, he's the most talented receiver. They Well, they had Brandon Cooks last year. But he's a good receiver and he's been with the Browns. Yeah. So, and he also hasn't played a lot. I mean, he he has been suspended a lot, but... I, it just really it's interesting that there have been needs at wide receiver, and Des Bryant is getting no calls. Um, one of my cousins said he thinks that it's he's overvaluing himself. I think he'd come in on a veteran minimum right now. Well, I do too, and I think that's.
1: I really thought that was the reason that he didn't sign in the preseason. Uh, that the teams would wait until after week one to sign him just to avoid paying a higher price tag. You know, he's still watching the games in the same place we are, and uh, that's if, on our sofa.
0: If nobody's called him by now, it's hard to believe that anybody will call him. That's all I can think
1: It, it is hard to believe. It's also hard to believe that, that Daniel Snyder hasn't reached out, right? And, because that would be the most Daniel Snyder thing that he could do.
0: But Snyder's also close with Jerry Jones, and Jones has probably given him the inside scoop on why. Because Dallas could use him. Cole Beasley's their number one receiver. I mean, he, he's nothing special. Dallas could certainly use him. But it, the, something is there that, uh, that uh, the teams have probably shared with one another. I don't want to say it's collusion, but it sounds to me like he might be blackballed. Not blackballed, but he's just... He, it's going to take somebody taking a chance. It's very possible, and I don't want to go this extreme. His career may be over, which is weird. He's not that old. No, he's not that old.
1: You, you know, like you just said, I think maybe he is, maybe he thinks that he is better than what he actually is. And, yeah. and the juice isn't worth the squeeze with him.
0: Nope, it's not. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back. We're going to go around the NFL and we're also going to uh, talk a little bit about baseball, a little bit about the Nats. But we got a couple questions that I want to pose to Matt. Uh, real quick, just to let you guys know, we are uh, affiliated with the DMVSportsNetwork.com. That's dmvsportsnetwork.com. If you are at all interested in joining their writing staff or even doing a podcast, send them a DM on Twitter at dmv underscore sn. Uh, there's a current need for capitals and fantasy football podcasters and writers. If you're interested, send a DM to dmv at, or I'm sorry, at dmv underscore sn on Twitter and a visit their website, dmvsportsnetwork.com. We have our own page on their website. Now we're going big time. So, uh, Give us a look. Give them a follow. We will be right back. We're going to talk about the NFL and then jump into the baseball. All right, Matt. Let's jump into the rest of the NFL. We'll start with the NFC East. Last night's snoozer of a Sunday night football game. Dallas beat the Giants 20-13. Dak Prescott had 45 rushing yards with 16-25 to 25 for 160. Really not. I mean, he controlled the game with his legs, but... They don't really have a passing attack. They just don't. They don't. Um,
1: Allen Hearns, I don't know what he had one catch last night, two catches.
0: They have no tight Insignificant. ends. Insignificant. Yeah, no tight ends. Uh, Zeke, 17 carries, 78 yards and a touchdown. Eli, 33 of 49 for 279 and a touchdown. Odell Beckham was kept in check, four catches, 51 yards. Two takeaways and we 've actually both already said them the Giants I am surprised at how bad they are, especially their offensive line they got manhandled last night Eli had no time to throw the ball and i'm also i didn't think Dallas was going to be good and I still don 't think they're that good
1: I agree um, you know first with the Giants uh, this revamped offensive line um, you know I tweeted last night that you know, I can't believe that they, they called it revamp. It looks like they got new guys that still suck.
0: <laughs> yeah, they got Nate Soder, and I really thought... I, I was a huge fan of that signing. and Because he was great in New England. And he, he's he been okay, but the rest of the offensive line has just been... They're a sieve. Eli had no... Eli, the loss last night is not on Eli. He had no time to throw. He was running for his life. He was, and he was getting hit. And... Um,
1: you know, And, and Saquon, is, uh, who is quite a talent, and everybody knows that, uh, he is not going to be able to make everybody miss. And it, I think it's going to be a long season for those guys and, and, until they get that thing shored up. Um,
0: it's one of those things where I think if the, the recipe for beating the Giants, if you can take Beckham out of the game, which Dallas did, and they pretty much took him out of the game by double teaming him and bringing pressure. If you do that and you take a lead, it pretty much negates Barkley. And then they can't win. And Jacksonville did that to them last week. I mean, Barkley averaged two and a half yards a carry, other than he had a 68 yarder. And now Jacksonville's one of the best, if not the best defense in all of football. I would not say that about Dallas. One thing it tells me, we. Said this earlier, the division is winnable, surprisingly winnable, at least through two weeks. Surprisingly winnable. It is. Um,
1: to me, it, it doesn't look like the Giants have have improved at all. I mean, they still have the same receiving core, which really is is probably one of the best in football. They have a, a solid second-year tight end and in Evan Ingram who I think is is a pretty good playmaker. And Saquon Barkley can certainly catch out of the backfield. I think he led the team in, in receiving last night, if I'm correct. He did. Um, you know, And, and he's going to be a weapon for them. Uh, and he's awesome to watch, actually.
0: He is. I'm bummed out that they have him. But Giants, in my opinion, I mean, and again, it's only two weeks in, they'll be lucky to win six or seven games this year. I'd probably say Dallas will be lucky to win more than eight. Do you think that that Eli is
1: at a point where he might get benched this year. I mean, you know, he's really taken
0: a beating (laughs) these first two games. Well, he's benched last year too, uh, which upset a lot of people in New York. I watched these first two games. I'm not putting it on Eli. I think he can still play. But when he's running for his life, he's, he's never been a mobile quarterback. When he's running for his life, I mean, he was accurate yesterday. I mean, completed almost 75% of his passes, 33 of 44. It's just, he just, he has no time. I can't, I keep saying it. He has no time to throw the ball. I, I don't like to beat up on offensive linemen, but their offensive line is terrible. Chris Collinsworth said it over and over again last night. Well, it must be true.
1: <laughs> if
0: Chris Collinsworth says it, it's the gospel.
1: <laughs> um and you know the fact is when when Eli Manning runs for his life that means he took like three steps um, Yeah. you know cuz the fact is he can't he can't get away from anybody
0: no um and he had the Eli face going just the oh is me you know the kind of the or like oh bother like he just he never exudes confidence but i uh, i i actually felt for him last night that he was running for his life and Dallas played better but i i, I don't neither neither of those teams scares me the team that I thought was going to be the juggernaut in the NFC East, I thought Philly would be. Their defense is very, very good. But they got – manhandled might be too much, too strong. Fitz had a huge day. Fitzpatrick, 27-33, 402 with four touchdowns. D-Jax opens the game up with – Deshaun Jackson, for those of you that aren't former Redskins fans. D-Jax opens the game up with a 75-yard touchdown reception. Uh Nick Foles had an okay day, thirty-five forty eight for three thirty four, but they were coming from behind all day. Philly only had ninety four rushing yards. Um do you think Wentz makes an immediate impact?
1: I don't know. Uh you know, I think Nick Foles has uh, filled in admirably for them. And that's an
0: understatement. He won Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. But, you know, Wentz got him there. He did. Um, I mean, he got them to the playoffs, yeah. Totally. And, uh,
1: you know, the fact of the matter is they, they were last year able to run the ball very well. And, of course, you know, they, they picked up J.A.J. You know, towards the end of the season. Um, and, you know, he's kind of a question mark for me because, you know, he got hurt yesterday in the first half of the game. He came back in the second half. He did score a touchdown. Um, uh, but, you know, he's a pretty good runner. And uh, I think that Philly is going to be okay. I still think they're the ones that are going to win the division.
0: Oh, they are definitely the class of the division. I, th- I think they're still a 10 or 11 win team. I definitely believe that. I think if the Redskins want to win the division, they're going to have to win a minimum of 10 games. And now I don't really see that coming. The gauntlet that they have to run through now of quarterbacks they're going to face in the next, it's not two weeks, but they play Rogers by week breeze it's gonna be a huge test for the defense but again the nfc east is not i think the i'm a homer i think the redskins are the second best team in the division i don't think that's a question no i i mean i think that's fair to say it's not saying much no it's it's not um but the bucks did win 27 21 yesterday they led throughout uh really dominated philly a game that I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, you know, Philly
1: gave up two 75-yard touchdown passes.
0: Yeah, one to D. Jackson, oh, yeah. then the other was it to. I I can't remember who it was to. Yeah, I don't remember who it was to.
1: Which you know is is sort of exciting, except for the fact that we don't have a, you know, a downfield
0: threat. Nope. Um, I thought Richardson might be, but he's. You know, Richardson's got some wheels. Um, he's been an inside guy so far, though. Yeah,
1: but. Um, you know, it'd be nice to take advantage of something like that. I mean, if that's a, if that's a glaring weakness with Philly, um, you know, hopefully the Redskins can exploit it when they face them.
0: I agree. Another game that you and I watched after the Redskin game was televised in the D.C. market: Jacksonville, New England. Um, Jaguars won, and uh, Brady 24-35 for 234 and two touchdowns. I think I have it in my outline that it was 31-30, but I think it was 31-20. Um, Yeah, they won comfortably. Bortles had probably the best game of his career, 29 of 45 for 377 and four touchdowns. Patriots are going to be fine. They're the Patriots. And they just got Josh Gordon. But um, I will admit, I didn't really believe in Jacksonville, but they are a legit contender in the AFC.
1: You know, I'm going to go out on a limb here and and say that I still don't believe in Blake Bortles. Because if you really break down his stats, it it seems like, or it is, that a lot of his yardage throughout his career has come late in the game. I mean, that's why he's always drafted in fantasy. I mean, you know, he puts up kind of large numbers, but they're all in the fourth quarter of the game each week. Junk time
0: when they were bad.
1: Exactly. Right. Um, But the fact of the matter is they were able to do this yesterday without Leonard Fournette. Mm Mm-hmm and their defense is going to take them places
0: for certain. Their defense is so good. I struggle to find a front seven that's better than theirs. The only one I can think of that might even come close, maybe the Rams with Indomit and Sue and Aaron Donald. But, man, they're good. And uh, we're going to have to replay them this year. Yeah. I'm just not ready to bet the house on Blake Borders. I have got him to the AFC title game last year, though. But I agree. I mean, I, he's in his fifth season, I think, or maybe his sixth. Um, I'm a little different than you. I see a quarter quarterback that's taking a step forward. Do I think that he's in the upper echelon of quarterbacks? No, I don't. But he he is good enough for that team to win football games. He's Trent Dofer like, which is great defense when Fournette's healthy, good running game. All you got to do is complete the passes that you need to complete. You don't need to win a game for them; just don't lose it. I think he's certainly capable of that. And yesterday, he actually won a game for them because they didn't have a running game.
1: Well, we'll see.
0: Okay, we'll see.
1: We'll re- we'll readdress it. you will be. <laughs> we will. But just remember, you know, it, their their defense has looked good these first two games. Um, but you remember the playoff game last year against Pittsburgh. Their defense was atrocious, just like Pittsburgh's was. Right. I mean, it came out it came down to a shootout, which Jacksonville ultimately won. Right. But it had nothing to do with
0: their defense. No. Speaking of Pittsburgh, you and I will touch base again on Blake Bortles because you're gonna be filling in for Josh in November. And we'll talk about that. Josh is you know, poor Josh, he's going to Hawaii with his wife, so
1: I'm gonna make a note of that. Josh, maybe you make a note of that as well. Yeah.
0: I'd like to know, I, I'm going to text Josh after this. I want to see what he knows, what he thinks about Blake Bortles. I'm on the Bortles train. I, think, I don't think he's great, but I think that he can win a Super Bowl with that team, the way it's constructed, uh, as long as Fournette stays healthy, and I think that's a big if. But talking about Pittsburgh, maybe the most entertaining game. We didn't get to see much of it. We saw the end of it. But let's talk about Mahomes. I mean, my God, the guy, two straight weeks, Really making Andy Reid look smart, trading Alex Smith. Last Yesterday, he was 23 of 28, 326 yards, and six touchdowns. Six and no picks. And they won 42 to 37 over Pittsburgh. Big Ben was 39 of 60 for 452 and three touches. Here's the big thing. And as a fantasy owner of Le'Veon Bell, I think that he's going to get a call this week. James Connor <laughs> eight carries for seventeen yards. Josh was beating the drum last week that Connor was leading the NFL in rushing. Uh, not after this week. He did have five catches for forty-eight yards. They need to get Le'Veon Bell back in because they're what they're o-one and one. It's such a weird record. Uh, they're not going anywhere without Le'Veon Bell. Well, maybe.
1: Maybe not. The fact of the matter is their defense let them down yesterday. I mean, they didn't have any problems scoring.
0: I mean, they put up a ton of points. Now, Big Ben had a big bounce back day after having a horrible start against Cleveland.
1: You know, I think Le'Veon Bell is replaceable. Antonio Brown is not. I I think that that somebody can fill in for Le'Veon Bell and do an adequate enough job.
0: Let me ask you a question then. Even in, given the current circumstance or, you know, with Geis coming back next year, if he was available via trade, would you want the Redskins to go get him?
1: Le'Veon Bell? Yes. Of
0: course. Okay. <laughs> I, I think he's the best running back in football. I think he's better than Gurley. I think he's better than Johnson. And the reason I say that, listen, they're all great. Gurley is amazing. Johnson, he's on a terrible team. Arizona should might want to consider trading him. But beyond that bell is just a, a lot of fun to watch i said this last week he disappears behind the offensive line he plays like peekaboo and then he just he right. he creates more than any other running back
1: he's the most patient running back out there i believe um you know he certainly has good vision and he's great out of the backfield yes I, mean, I mean that's his that's his thing. I mean, it, there's Pittsburgh has a lot of offensive weapons, and there's no doubt that they're going to put up a ton of points each week. At least they should. They really need to worry about their defense because going back to that playoff game against Jacksonville when you know went down to the wire and Jacksonville put up, what, 40-some points, um, you know, that's been a problem ever since. I mean, they were lucky to get past – uh, Cleveland in Week One. I mean, fortunately, T.J. Watt blocked a field goal, right. um, you
0: know, to seal the tie, which is embarrassing enough. Talking about Cleveland, they're not on the outline, but I did want to address quite possibly the most Cleveland loss possible yesterday. They were down 18 to 12 with a few minutes left in the fourth, and they score a touchdown. I think it was less than two minutes. And what happens? Their kicker misses the extra point. It's 18-18, and Drew Brees does Drew Brees things, drives down the field, gets him into field goal range. Saints win 21-18. Today, Cleveland notified their kicker that they will no longer require his services, which, (laughs) shocker, I think Minnesota's kicker is probably next.
1: He already was. Oh, was he? Yeah. He got cut today? Okay.
0: I didn't see that. But uh, kicking was at an all-time low yesterday. I mean, it was not good. I mean, our guy, Dustin Hopkins, was three for four, and his miss was from 49. I, I don't hate that. Uh, but, yeah, the kicking around the NFL yesterday was pretty bad, especially for Minnesota and Cleveland. But the, that has to be the most Cleveland loss in the The two weeks, if you're a Cleveland fan, how are you not throwing your TV out the window?
1: Um, you know, for those that, I guess, still watch the Browns, <laughs> um, yeah, you're probably
0: right. Um, Shout out to Josh's wife, who's actually a Cleveland Browns fan. <laughs> yes. Oh, God Josh, bless her. Yeah, Josh is a de facto. I mean, poor Josh, dude. I mean, he's a Redskin fan and a Brown fan. It doesn't really, I can't think of something that's much worse. Although, going into, and I added him, you don't have this on your outline, but I did want to bring it up. Unless you're a Buffalo Bills fan. Because Vontae Davis, <laughs> for those of you that don't know, Vontae Davis at halftime, the bills were getting throttled, puts on street clothes and says, you know what? I'm retiring. And he walked out and he left. And Lorenzo Alexander, I have the quote here. Where is it? Lorenzo Alexander said, he called it completely disrespectful. I've never seen anything like it in my lifetime. Vontae Davis was paid $3.5 million guaranteed, which it sounds like the bills are going to attempt to recoup. Davis, in his retirement statement, said he didn't think that this is how it was going to end. But he said he physically couldn't do it anymore. I'm like, dude, you couldn't play two more quarters and then re- retire at the end of the game? I mean, how bizarre is that? And how bad is it for Buffalo? I, I think
1: it was more frustration than anything. I mean, the fact oh. of the matter is you're playing for Buffalo. You guys suck. Um, yeah, I, you know, I just don't want to play this game anymore for this team. To me is is what it was. Um, do I think he's really going to retire? I don't think he will.
0: No, but the Bills would have to either... He'd either have to sit out the rest of the season and then become a free agent, or the Bills would have to trade him. I think the Bills would probably be willing to trade him. My question is, what team is going to want him after he quit at halftime? It's not justified. I don't care how bad the team you're playing for is. You're being paid. It's a game. Unless he really feared injury because of some physical thing, ailment or what have you... Just not liking the way that the team's playing is not reason enough to walk out, man. I mean, like, that, I, I've never, I was shocked when I saw that. And he's another guy that even if the Bills went, screw you, we're going to release you, I, I don't think any team touches him because of what, it's just a bad look.
1: It, it is. I mean, the fact of the matter is if nobody's ever done that by playing with the Browns, You know, then you shouldn't do it with any. any Joe Thomas
0: (laughs) played an entire career with the Browns, a Hall of Fame career. He did. Never had a winning season, or I think they were 500 ones or something. I mean, it was. I was shocked by that. But that was around the NFL. I thought it was an an interesting day. There's a Monday night game tonight. It's um, Chicago and Seattle, right? Chicago and Seattle, yes. Right. Listen, I do want to point out,
1: uh, going back to, I believe, your first podcast in which you said that Cleveland would make the playoffs.
0: I did. I stand and, and, by that.
1: And, and, and I texted you <laughs> immediately after listening to that
0: podcast and saying, listen, I want in. You know how many want... people took me up on that bet? I've got four people. Probably everybody you know. The only person who didn't was Josh. For some reason, he's like, I don't want to take your money. Uh, i got my buddy, my buddy Rokey in South Carolina. We've got a bottle of whiskey on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and my cousin, I have... I think 100 bucks. I think you and I have some action on it. I'm going to stand by them, man. Listen, they're not as bad as people think they are. And the AFC North, not that good. The Bengals are good. I don't think that their success will be sustained. They did dominate the Ravens on Thursday night. I don't know if that was more the Ravens or Cincinnati.
1: I'm not quite sure. I mean, you know, those Thursday night games are... are- sort of unpredictable I mean the teams only have a few days to prepare and Cincinnati clearly looked like the better team on Thursday night um I still think Baltimore is the team that'll win that division I I've, I said that in the preseason and uh I I stand by it. I think they're they're a much better team than what they showed the other night
0: but it doesn't change your mind that the Bills are so bad that's why they throttled them in week one but Cleveland's or not Cleveland, sorry. Cincinnati has a good front seven, a very good front seven. I still don't completely trust Andy Dalton, but he does have AJ Green. But I think that division is still well within anybody's grasp. Of course, Pittsburgh's not as good as people think. You've touched on their defense. They're not a great defense, which is shocking. Pittsburgh's known for their defense. Um Yeah, I still I still think that I I think that I don't think Tyrod or is it Tyrrod, whatever it is. I think it's Tyrod Whatever. No. Uh, Mr. Taylor, I don't think he'll be their quarterback all season. I think you're going to see Baker Mayfield. I think he could provide them with a spark. I still stand by it. I have to. I've got, I've got multiple action on it, but I still stand by it. <laughs> I mean, you know,
1: sparks I think they've had. A flame is what they need. Right. Um, still haven't won in, what, two years?
0: It's been a long it's time. It's been a long Since time. Since RG3. Yeah, that's right. He's their last winning quarterback. Good for, good for Super Bob. <laughs> right. Or not so Super Bob. All right, let's jump into baseball real quick. I know the Nats season, there's 12 games left. The Orioles season, Matt, diehard Orioles fan. uh, Uh, Do we even, we don't even consider them a baseball team right now, do we? I mean, are they still playing? I think they're about (laughs) to become the AAA affiliate for the Nationals. (laughs) That
1: good, huh? Yeah.
0: No, the Nats are 76 and 74. They just came off of a weekend series where they won two out of three against Atlanta. There, There are 12 games left. They're seven and a half back in the NL East, so that's over. Atlanta's going to win that comfortably. I'll give the Nats credit. They single-handedly knocked Philly out of the playoff race because they played them nine games. They won seven of them. So the Nats dealt the fatal blow to the Philly season. Uh, The interesting thing, I saw this online today. I'm not putting any stock in it, but I'm going to repeat it because I saw it online. 12 games left. The Nats are six games back for the second wild card. They have by far the easiest schedule of the remaining 12. Somebody pondered this. Because the Nats play the Marlins and the Mets this week. They pondered this. They said, the Nats win out. (laughs) If they go 12 (laughs) straight, they're going to get the second wild card. And I went, dude, pump the brakes, man. It's over. It's over. Listen, it's over. But, I mean, it's ridiculous, right?
1: Yes, it is. And for those of you who are listening to this, I am not... A Nationals fan.
0: You're also um, not an FP Santangelo fan. Just like <laughs> I, can find, yeah, I can only find. Shout out to FP. I can only find co hosts that don't like FP. Right. Um, my wife likes FP. <laughs> Your sister. Uh, yeah, so does my wife, actually. <laughs> um, it's about the looks, though. It's got to be about the looks. FP's a handsome dude. That's um, what it's got to be about.
1: But the fact of the matter is, the Nationals do not deserve to make the playoffs this year, Hell in no. my opinion. No. And, and one, uh, they just haven't been very good. And two, they gave up way too soon, in my opinion. Um, I think that they still had plenty of time. Well, they did have plenty of time um, to make a run. And then they did actually go on a little bit of a run. um,
0: But too little too late. Absolutely right. They did give up too early. They got too little for what they gave up. It should have just been, we're going to ride with this. We're going to see what happens. If they still had Murphy, if they still had Kelly, if they still had Kinsler, the fact of the matter, I mean, because the Phillies are out of it pretty much. The Nats are a half game behind Philly. The Nats did deal a fatal blow to Philly. The Braves have not been great the last six weeks. They've been been less than pedestrian. They've been under 500. If the Nats had a strong finish the last six weeks, they would have won the division. I don't. It's not some victory to me if they make it to the second wild card because they're not good enough to win in the playoffs. You get beyond Max Scherzer. I mean, Strasburg is starting to return to form, but his velocity is still three to four miles an hour below where it has been. And then Tanner Roark is Jacqueline Hyde. They're just not good enough. And listen, I'm going to watch the last 12 games. We're now 11 because I can't watch it tonight. Although I heard Robles hit a home run tonight. That was a bomb. Um, but this team's, it's time to focus on the off season. It's time to focus on, do we re-sign Bryce Harper? It's time to focus on, we need a catcher. We need a second baseman. We need bullpen help. We need at least one starter, if not two. Um, yeah, this talk about them winning out and all that kind of stuff, it's not going to happen, even though they do play garbage teams and Marlins and Mets. Hey, shout out. At least we're not the Mets. Got to do it at least once in an episode, at least we're not the Mets. I will not say at least we're not the Orioles, but I think that goes without yeah. saying. Uh, but, yeah, I don't, I don't think that there's a – I don't even think if they're, like, in the running that, they should, that we should care because they they're not good enough. No.
1: You know, honestly, I don't think anybody from the National League is good enough to, to win. I, I, nobody's going to beat Boston. I, I just can't imagine anybody losing to Boston in this playoffs – Season, I just don't see it happening.
0: No. Uh, Boston and the Yankees play six games over the final 12. Um, unless the Yankees sweep those two series, that division's locked up. Boston is the best team in a long time, at least regular season. Yeah. And they're going into the playoffs with Chris Sale and David Price, Rick Porcello, and a, just a – I mean, J.D. Martinez is an animal. The fact that somebody didn't give him more money than Boston did is, is a joke. Right. You're not paid that much. But you're right. I think that the top four teams in the American League, I'm going to take that back. The top three teams in the American League, Boston, Houston, and the Yankees. And let's talk about the Yankees for a quick second. We both don't like the Yankees. No, we don't. I was raised to hate the Yankees. But let's be real. The current playoff system has completely screwed them. They should not be playing a one-game playoff, which they're probably going to play in Oakland, for their playoff lives. And everybody wants to see an ALDS Yankees-Red Sox. Of course. Who doesn't want to see that? Right. It would be fucking amazing. Right. And I'm, nobody wants to see Oakland. Although, they're a great story. They got a lot of ex-Nats on Oakland. And then Blake <laughs> Trinan is their closer. They've got uh, Yuzmero Petit, who's a former Nat. I mean, it's just... Yeah. Um, we'll get into the playoffs coming up, because, I mean, they're coming. But the Red Sox... They're the only team I'd be surprised if they didn't win it. I would really look forward to, and I'm sorry to. I've got a couple cousins that are Yankees fans that listen religiously to the podcast. I'm sorry, but I really want to see a Boston-Houston ALCS. I think that would be awesome. But those top three teams, Boston, Yankees, and Houston, I don't think any team in the National League is better than them. I don't either. The Cubs are not better than them. No. Uh, The Dodgers are not better than them. St. Louis, Milwaukee... No, Atlanta. Hell no. Atlanta will be lucky to get out of the NLDS. They're they're a year year and a half ahead of schedule. I don't. I mean, they just lost two or three to the Nats, which is just one series. But um, that series really also gave me a lot of like what could have been, because you can see flashes of what the Nats could have been. Right.
1: Well, I mean, the fact that matters you have Juan Soto. So if there's a reason to watch, it's for him.
0: Right, we're going to get into that in a second, but the last two things I wanted to touch on with the Nats before we talk about mm-hmm. Juan Soto. I think Max Scherzer probably cost himself the Cy Young Friday night. He gave up six earned runs in four innings. I feel for him. I still stand by. He's at like 253 ERA. DeGrom's at 171. Max still leads in the other six major categories, but DeGrom's probably going to win it. I think um, he'd be an MVP candidate if they were in the playoffs. Max Scherzer. He'll never listen to this, but I just want people to know it's an honor to watch him pitch every fifth day. I feel like I did when I was in school in Boston and I got to watch Pedro every fifth day. It's the exact same thing to me. You know, Nationals
1: fans are very fortunate to uh, to, to have that. And it was actually kind of funny a few minutes ago when you said uh, how the, the Nats need starting pitching. Because as an Orioles fan, <laughs> where we don't have any starting pitching, right. I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to name... Two starters on that team. I mean, I, I of course, can do it. but
0: uh, Andrew Kaschner is one of them, right? <laughs> and Cobb, they got like, those two. But they traded Gossman. Gauss,
1: yes, who's actually done well since, he, since joining Atlanta.
0: He beat uh, Max Scherzer on on Friday. Of course he did. That's yeah. the most Baltimore Orioles thing I've heard. It is. Mark Hakus is having a career year for the Atlanta Braves, if you want to talk about former Orioles. Um, and finally, Bryce is at 34 home runs. Uh, I'm going to lose my bet with Josh. I said that he'd get to 40, so I'm going to owe Josh 50 American dollars on that. I mean, if he gets really hot, he could with 12 games left, but I doubt it. Bryce is still going to have himself a hell of a season, and we're going to touch on that. Actually, let's jump right into it. We're going to talk about my question to you as a non-Nationals fan. Mm-hmm. How good is Juan Soto? Oh, man. He is awesome. I mean, he is... To me,
1: uh, or any baseball fan, should watch this kid play. Um, It's a if if he is a kid, of course.
0: Oh, easy, Joe (laughs) Simpson, with your racism. Um,
1: (laughs) But uh, no, he's something special. I mean, the guy can hit the ball a mile, and uh, you know, hits for average, and just he's really, really fun to watch. I mean, it's really somebody I think you can rally behind. Um, if you don't have Bryce Harper around next year. So I wish I had him on my team.
0: I read an article this week by Tom Boswell who said that Juan Soto is the greatest teenager that's ever played the game. Greatest teenager prior to him was Mel Ott, Hall of Famer Mel Ott, who had over 500 home runs. Mel Ott, at the age of 19, had a 921 OPS. And this is all based off of OPS, which is now, I guess, the new gold standard for offensive stats. Other notable 19-year-olds who played significant time in their 19-year-old season: Bryce Harper at an 8.17 OPS, Mickey Mantle at 7.92, Ty Cobb 7.49, Ken Griffey Jr. 7.48, Juan Soto currently 9.54. Does that mean anything? Probably not. But I mean, because if you look at it, right? Who's Best player in the game, Mike Trout. Mike no, Trout, No absolutely. question. His 19 year old season, he only played 40 games. He got sent down to the minors. He batted 220, five homers, 16 ribbies. He had a 281 on base, and his OPS was 672. It's not an indicator of how great he's going to be, but the majority of 19 year olds who have played this well I mean, nobody's played this well, but the majority that have played well I mean, you're talking about Mel Ott, Hall of Famer, Mickey Mantle, Hall of Famer, Ty Cobb, Hall of Famer. Ken Griffey Jr., Hall of Famer. It's amazing. The guy was not a well-known commodity. He only played a handful of games last year before getting hurt. It's amazing. It really it, is.
1: It is. It's, it, it's almost like he slipped through the cracks in a way. Um, because you just don't see people that age, or even at 22, 23, Um, doing what he's doing right now. So, you know, when Mike Trout and Machado and Harper, when they were, um, you know, at that age, they, I don't know, they just weren't at the level that I think Juan Soto is at now.
0: Not offensively, no.
1: Um,
0: The reason why Juan Soto is not going to win the Rookie of the Year, and I'm going to say he's not going to win it, the reason he's not going to win it is because Acuna is almost as good offensively. If you're just going off of OPS, Acuna's at 942. Now, Acuna's a year older, or two years older. I think he's 21. It's Acuna's defense. Acuna is at seven defensive runs saved on average. Soto's at negative five. It's a big difference. And it's also based on base running. Acuna has 14 steals. Juan Soto had three in a game over the weekend, but he only has five. So if their offensive numbers are a wash, Cunha has more home runs. His defense and his base stealing are going to put him over the top. But you're right. He's just... He's a unicorn. You don't see that from a 19-year-old.
1: No, and there was a point, I believe, somewhere in July where I said, you know, just go ahead and give Soto the uh, rookie of the year. Because he... I mean, to me, he is. He's... He's a guy that every team wishes that they had, and I mean, he 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 looks so polished to me, you know. I, I, you know, if as, as somebody who roots for a team who has really no polished people, right? <laughs> um, I I really enjoy watching him play. I I think he's something special. I I think he's got a good shot of winning rookie of the year.
0: You know, I think what the justify the, the thing that would be the most Democratic would be if both of them split it Um, because Juan Soto does have better offensive numbers overall, especially in on-base percentage where Acuna is at 368. Juan Soto is at a ridiculous 421. Soto's walk rate is 16.6%. The guy has next-level knowledge of the strike zone. Absolutely. My favorite thing about Juan Soto at bat is the way he carries himself. And he digs in, and it's bravado, don't get me wrong. We've talked about this on previous pods, but he, he just, he's like, bring it, bring it. You know, and if, when he strikes out, he doesn't hang his head. He's like, you got me, but, I, you know, I'm coming. Right. And I think he's going to be great for a long time. And if Bryce Harper does not resign here, it's going to be because of the emergence of Juan Soto, the talent of Victor Robles, and the steadiness of Adam Eaton. Real quick, um, we've talked about OPSs for other notable 19-year-old seasons. The one I found interesting, Mickey Mantle played 96 games. Soto has played in 104. Mantle batted 267. Soto's at 305. Mantle had 13 home runs. Soto has 20. And on-base percentage, Mantle was at 349. And so does at 421. Mantle's one of the greatest players of all time. Again, it's one year. But these are the names that he's put himself with. And it's just... Gotta give credit to Mike Rizzo. Have to. As an Oriole fan, you wish that they had him.
1: Well, maybe. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I like Dan Duquette. Um,
0: Dan Duquette's great. Yeah, he's not going to be an Oriole next year, though. <laughs> Neither is Buck.
1: You know, but the fact of the matter is... Uh, you know, I'm a little disappointed, Mike Rizzo, for the fact of you just <laughs> getting rid of of these guys that were so integral for your season, and um, and yeah. and furthermore, I mean, you know, I, I don't know how you feel about Davey Martinez as a manager, but I don't know how he stays around. So, I mean, and I think that's on Mike Rizzo as well. I mean, where I, or I guess at least the learners don't seem to pay their managers
0: very well. Um, they don't believe in it. The learners don't believe in paying managers. Uh, Davey Johnson was here, and I love Davey. I loved him when he was with the Orioles. And Davey wanted to keep coaching. And the learners gave him one more year, but that was it because they didn't want to keep paying him. And then Matt Williams follows Davey. He was cheap. He was a rookie manager. Um, that didn't work out, so they go get Dusty. And Dusty was making... $4 million a year in Cincinnati, and the Nationals lowballed him. They had Bud Black, but they lowballed Bud Black so much that he declined the offer, so they went to yeah. Dusty, who just wanted back into baseball so badly that he took a two-year, $4 million deal. They don't value managers. Uh, Boswell, we talked about this last week. Boswell wrote an article that uh, Davey was the wrong choice, but now it would be the wrong choice to fire him. The team is playing inspired baseball in September. They're out of it, but they're playing inspired baseball. I do think it's partially on Rizzo, but I do think also when it comes to managers, his hands are tied. Personally. But if Buck Showalter's a free agent, if the learners are not willing to go, we'll give him $6 million a year, let's do this. Then honestly, you have to question how much they want to win. Because to me, and I think you'll agree because you've Watch the Orioles consistently. Buck's one of the top five, six managers in all baseball.
1: Of course. And he's great with young talent. Right. And, uh, Nats have plenty of that. You know, and if anything, wouldn't the learners want to stick it to Peter Angelos by, you know, taking Buck
0: Showalter off their hands? I mean, it'd be amazing because the Orioles owe the Nationals quite a bit of money. I think it's in the neighborhood now of like $150 million. That's
1: just nonsense, Nate. Okay. Fake news.
0: Fake news. Sorry. (laughs) Let's jump into your Orioles for a second. I sent you an article this week. John Heyman reported that the Orioles several years ago, I think it was, what, 2013, 2014? I think it was 2014. We're in contract negotiations with Manny. It would have been an eight-year deal at $64 million. At the time, it would have been an unprecedented deal for somebody with so little service time. And Manny wanted seventy million, not sixty-four. So maybe a million a year. And the Orioles did not continue negotiations, and now Manny's gone. As an Orioles fan, how does that make you feel? Because uh, you would have had him for at least another three or four years,
1: right? Um, so the uh, Rock Kubako actually had tweeted out yesterday, I believe, that um, that offer came before Machado's first knee injury, which was in 2013. Um, You know, it it makes me sick, because I think of what we got in return, and that's this albatross of a contract with Chris Davis. And, you know, Manny Machado is, I mean, he was the the best player that we've had, that we've drafted in a long, long time. I mean, really, probably since Cal Ripken. and the fact that we could have had him for so cheap—oh my gosh—it's heartbreaking. This is what it is. It was the
0: right decision by his, by his agent, of course. But he he misses Camden Yards a bit because he's playing in a pitcher-friendly park in LA. His numbers are not as good. It's still they're still good, but they're not as good as they were in Baltimore. Um. Josh had said to me that it didn't really matter to him. He's an Orioles fan as well, but it didn't matter to him because. Manny wouldn't make that team a playoff team right now. You guys are so, so far away currently from contending that it would've just been like, you know, like Mike Trout is right now with the Angels. You've got a superstar and then either an aging Albert Pujols or a albatross of a contract, Chris Davis. And then, you know, you traded Scope. Your bullpen's basically been decimated by trades. Uh, you know, britain has gone. Um, Brad Brock is gone. He's in... Darren O'Day's gone, too. He's in Atlanta. He's in Atlanta, yeah. So, if I were an Orioles fan, I'd be bummed out, just because I would have liked to see Manny stay here, but um, it wouldn't have made you guys playoff contenders. You probably still would have traded him right, it, with that it contract. It wouldn't have. He would have got a bigger bigger haul and trade because he would have been under team well,
1: control. Well, that's just it. And, and, and nobody wanted to see Manny go this year. We understood why he had to go,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but... You know it's it's really nice to have somebody that you 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 know watch come through um the system and and play at a caliber that he uh has played at and just was able to sustain all these years and um you know, it's just really sad to see him go more than anything I mean he's somebody that you'd especially in the season where Baltimore was just really the worst I've ever seen the Orioles team ever in my lifetime. I think it is actually their worst season. I I
0: was going to say, it's one one of the worst regular seasons in history.
1: Yeah. Um, You know, he was at least somebody that you could count on, uh, both offensively and defensively. Uh, Would he have made – would they be a playoff team next year? No, they're not going to be. It's just – it's going to be a while for the Orioles. I mean – you know the fact is Peter Angelos has the money. It is not a money problem with Peter Angelos. He's got
0: some of the Nationals' money, yeah. <laughs> um, According to MLB.
1: But uh, you know they've 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 not drafted well. Um, even yeah. with Dan Duquette, we've we've not drafted well with Dan Duquette. It's it's going to be a, a, a long while. And for any of you Orioles fans uh, listening, well, sorry.
0: Yeah. Last piece I wanted to talk about, another John Heyman article I read this week, and I wanted to just get your reaction to this. Bryce Harper and Manny Machado are the two best position players to hit the free agent market since probably Alex Rodriguez in 2007. The question that John Heyman posed to 18 anonymous executives across Major League Baseball, uh, who's going to get more money? Who's worth more money? Some of the points that they brought up, one executive said that Manny's more consistent, he gives you more wins above replacement, and has more defensive skill. So obviously his choice would be Manny. Uh, Kind of a prevailing feeling among the executives, Manny's more likable, has less drama. Um, Infielders are generally paid more than outfielders. One thing that could be an impact, especially big teams, big spending teams like the Yankees and the Red Sox, don't need an outfielder. But they do need infield help, especially the Yankees. And Manny has, to some, expressed that he'd be willing to go back to third base, especially if it was for the Yankees. It's got to be tough for you. You're going to see him 19 times a year. Uh, One thing that could benefit Bryce, according to an executive, is that Major League Baseball is seriously looking at modifying the shift, which could help Harper because the shift really hurts left-handed power hitters. Um, Another one thing that could help Manny is he doesn't have a qualifying offer. Uh, Because he was traded, L.A. cannot put a qualifying offer on him the Nationals can which has a draft pick tied to it Harper's considered the better overall hitter but Manny is considered the better overall player when you include defense and shockingly well let me ask you out of 18 executives how do you think they voted who would get the better deal Manny or Bryce I think overwhelmingly Manny yeah 12 out of 18 said Manny It was basically... The one thing that they said Harper really had going in his favor was that he's a Scott Boris' client. And Boris is willing to wait until all the way into spring training. But overwhelmingly, infielders are more valuable. Manny's a better overall player. He's at a premium position. Bryce is not. Um, One executive put it as simple as, Manny's feet are on the dirt. Bryce is in the grass. But they said that the difference would be minimal. You know, it wouldn't be overwhelming, but I think going into the year, you would have been surprised if somebody said that Manny would make more money than Bryce, and now it seems like almost a foregone conclusion.
1: I think Manny is more valuable at third base than he is shortstop. I think at third base, he is the best, if not second best, third baseman in the game. Um, behind Nolan Arenado. Behind where, Arenado, yes. Yeah. Um, at shortstop, he's average. I personally think, and this is, is kind of funny to say since I was a huge Cal fan, but I think that Manny Machado is too big to play shortstop. I don't feel like he has the range. You know, Manny's not a fast guy. Um, what made him great at third base was he was so reactionary that, you know, he, he could get the ball, and he had such a strong arm, he could make the throw. Um, at short, I don't see him making the plays um, that he did at third base, I and mean, at third base he was electrifying, you know, the... You just didn't see people, uh third baseman especially, uh making plays like that. Um and Bryce Harper. You know, yeah, Bryce can hit the long ball, um, as well as anybody.
0: And he walks a lot.
1: And and yes, and he does walk a lot. It's really hard for me to get behind Bryce Harper because I just don't feel like he's a likable guy.
0: That's what the executive said.
1: And I, I, I and 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 not that Manning Machado is either and, and you know, Manny Machado had some growing up to do. I mean, he had some issues, you know, obviously with Josh Donaldson a few years back.
0: When he threw the bat at him, right? Was uh, that Donaldson? Th-
1: that was the issue at third base when, yeah. he, when he he gave him a shove. And um, But in the
0: same game, didn't he let go of a bat and throw it down the baseline?
1: You know, he may, he may have. I think he did. I think I remember Um him. You know, I think Manny's grown up a lot. Um, and he, he's maybe a little bit more likable. But I, I'd rather have Manny. I I don't know that... Bryce Harper is uh, exponentially a better hitter than Manny Machado. I I think Manny is a fantastic hitter, and he's got power, too. Um, Manny's not going to steal a base for you. Um,
0: Statistically, they are remarkably similar offensively. There's only one statistic where Bryce has... I, I take that back. There are two statistics where Bryce has a significant difference advantage they've Bryce has played in 915 games Manny's played in 913 so two game difference Um, Manny has for only a two game difference has 120 more hits I think that's because Bryce walks more if you look at at bats in the two games less Manny has 400 more at bats so it's got to be walks and that's shown in on base percentage Manny's Average on base percentage over his seven year career is 335. Bryce is 387. Um, Bryce's slugging is 514. Manny's 486. OPS, Bryce is 901. Manny's 821. That's where they're getting the he's a better offensive player. But you're right. I mean, they're even. Bryce has 184 home runs. Manny has 173. So if you add in that Manny at third base is a generational talent, then he is the better player. And now i'm willing to say that i'm a huge bryce harper fan i'm willing to say that if i had 30 million dollars a year to give i'd give it to manny but i'm a nationals fan i think they should give it to bryce because he's already been here but that's just me because i'm you know josh would say i'm stupid <laughs> <laughs> and the final bow i put on it i compared bryce uh, you know bryce manny and trout have been in the league for just about the same amount of time trout has played the equivalent of almost a full season more than Bryce and Manny, he's played about 140 games more. Uh, the most shocking thing to me is not the 307 batting average compared to Bryce at 279 and Manny at 282, or the 417 on-base percentage. He has 188 steals. Bryce has 74. Manny has 53. 188 steals and 235 home runs. Bryce has 184. Manny 173. Trout is so much better than they are, and it's ridiculous. And he's wasted in an in in Anaheim. He is.
1: You know, I remember four or five years ago um, when Trout put on like twenty pounds. I mean, you know, he came in substantially heavier, and I remember saying, "Well, (laughs) you know, he's not going to be able to steal bases like he has been uh, because he's so much heavier." Way wrong on that. Right. Um, He's awesome. Yeah, man. it's a it's a shame that he plays where he does. Uh, well, for a team that's just not making the playoffs. So they have had a better year this year than what they have in the past.
0: Um, they have. They just have a lot of dead money. I mean, you're talking about Pool still has, what, four years left. They're still paying part of Josh Hamilton's contract. Um, he'll be a free agent, I think, in two years. He will get the largest free agent. I don't think that he'll sign an extension with Anaheim. I think he's a Philly guy. I think he probably wants to come back to the East Coast. But I also just think overwhelmingly he just wants to win. And I don't know if he sees that potential in Anaheim. That'll be um, a fascinating thing to watch. Before we close this out, I just want to remind everybody, don't forget to check out dmvsportsnetwork.com. That's dmvsportsnetwork.com. And you can follow them on Twitter at dmv__sn. And if you want to join the team, contact them via Twitter or via their website. We have our own tab up on their website now. We are uh, part of the family. We are affiliated with them. So that's a lot of fun. Matt, man, thanks for joining me, buddy.
1: Appreciate the invite, Nate. Uh, Josh, uh, thanks for letting me sub in for you tonight. Had a blast.
0: Josh will be back next week. Matt will be back on in November when Josh is sunning himself in Hawaii. I didn't have any final thoughts. Do you have any that you wanted to close on?
1: No. Let's see what happens with the Redskins this week.
0: HTTR. HTTR, baby. Head of the Redskins. I think I don't want to be a pessimist, but never bet against Aaron Rodgers. I think that's probably the way I feel. Uh, But I did say they'd be 2-0, so don't listen to me. My predictions are garbage. (laughs) anyway guys thanks for listening follow us on twitter it's about time it's about time dc1 on twitter let me know uh, how you guys feel follow us there and don't forget to subscribe whatever platform that you're using thank you guys for listening and we will see you next week